Hey movie fans, and welcome back to another episode of the Uncharted Media Podcast. This is episode 107, and we have a topic today that was inspired by a movie that I recently watched, well, rewatched. I've seen this plenty of times, of not those movies that you love, and then you, years later you look and find out, oh, the critics really did not like this movie. Um, Yeah, I got plenty of those that I still, you can't convince me otherwise, I will still enjoy these movies, even if people say that they're terrible. Uh, but first, before we get into that, we have got so, so much news to get over tonight. Uh, but before we get into any of the news or any of the discussions, Michael, how you doing tonight? Good to have you back. Hey, thank you. And thank you, movie fans, for giving me the privilege uh, to be back uh, this week. Um, I, I'm doing well. I'm excited for some of this news tonight. It's very interesting, and I, I think our topic... Even because I picked the one last week, I think the one that you picked for this week is, you know, infinitely better. So I appreciate it. (laughs) Well, before we get into that, Michael, are you watching anything good? Are you reading anything good this week? Uh, So I watched on Sunday, you know, right after church. So it's a really, you know, topical movie. I watched uh, 2007 film uh, Zodiac. (gasps) I have not not seen Zodiac. Zodiac. Yeah, so I, I I knew it was based on the actual Zodiac killer in California back in the seventies. I knew that, but uh, I had, I had never never seen seen the film before. So going back and and watching it because because I, I remember there was that it's the no spoilers, but there's a scene where a character is in a house and it's really creepy. Mm-hmm. And I remember that in one of Bravo's like hundred scariest movie moments of all time, this scene appeared in there. And what was appealing is it wasn't like a slasher film or like a supernatural horror film. It was just a, a thriller that just happened to catch the right vibe. And I remember seeing that several years ago and I'm like, I eventually I got to watch that movie. And, and so I did. And I thought it was great. It's pretty long though. Like I think it's a tad too long. It's like two hours and 30 some minutes. And I See? was, I was, I was getting, I was getting kind of bored towards the end, but it was still good. Uh, I'll fight you on that one. It is long, but I didn't feel, at least to me, it didn't mm. feel long. Like it, I thought okay. it was paced very well, but yes, uh, even as a horror fan, I was on the edge of my seat with Zodiac. Mm. It is not a horror movie, but there's a scene no, towards the end when our main character, who's been trying to solve the clues himself, thinks he's figured out the last piece, um, and is very, very, very tense. And Jake Gyllenhaal. Yes. Jake Gyllenhaal is just one of my favorite actors. He's awesome. Just if you haven't seen it, it's got Jake Gyllenhaal, Robert Downey Jr., um, Mark Ruffalo. I feel like there's some other big names that I'm missing here. Um, the uh, as far as is that film, like, as far as like more su- um, supporting actors, um, uh, Anthony Edwards, uh, John Carroll Lynch, uh, Brian Cox as well uh, were some of the big players uh, in the film. Uh, playing important roles, like supporting roles. Uh, Philip Baker Hall, a classic actor. Um, and so, it, yeah, it was, it was great. I mean, David Fincher, he, he knows how to uh, do suspense. I mean, he's had a good uh, record of that. I think he did seven, right? Yes, he did. I think. Okay. So um, I, I thought it was great. Um, and, and I have, and again, I, I will say, I said it last week, my, my father is coming over this week. We are going to sit down and watch the hunt for Red October. It's happening. I'm finally going to watch it, so I cannot wait to tell you what I what I what I think of that classic film uh, next week. Cool. Uh, I haven't been watching a ton. Heather and I've been going through the Harry Potter movies again. Uh, mm-hmm. We're almost done. Mm-hmm. We've got two left. One great and one that's the Harry Potter Part Seven. Um, but on the flip <laughs> side, I've been reading a lot of comics. I just finished Watchmen, which is great, but I needed something 
happy after that. So uh, last time I was in a comic book store, they had like a buy one, get one. So I bought Watchmen and then I bought The Flash Zero Year because I was just like looking at myself and going, okay, a lot of Batman, a lot of Nightwing, a lot of Superman. Who do I not have a lot of? Flash. Uh, and I liked the beginning of the Rebirth run that started in 2016. So I was like, what? what's the start of that? I was planning because I started reading it the night I finished Watchmen. I was like, all right, I'll just f- read the first issue I kind of read the whole book in one sitting because it was so good. And now I'm kind of on a not just a comic kick, but a flash kick. I'm just like, okay, what's the best flash stories? I've already read Flashpoint. I've already read Flash Rebirth. Uh, So now I'm going to be nose deep in Flash for a little bit. And then uh, I got some other ones. I've got got uh, the actual Spider-Verse book for my birthday. So I'll probably be going through that. That thing oh, is nice. thick. Uh, I got quite a few Spider-Mans that I need to catch up on. But yeah. I like reading. I hope comics never die, but they, they're becoming a digital medium. I say as I went through my DC Universe app and went through and picked out a whole bunch of digital comics. <laughs> so uh, I'm, you are you are uh, contributing to that very decline, sir. Um, I buy I comic ask, book books every month. Thank you very much. Uh, I have to ask, so what, what Harry Potter film did you just finish then? Uh, we just finished... Uh, the Half-Blood Prince, the sixth okay. one, which excellent. I know some people are on the fence about it because it's PG and it's more humor than others. I actually think my favorite is the last one just because it's it wraps everything up very well. And then Goblet of Fire because I like the Triwizard. Then I might actually put six because mm. I think it's the most interesting character work. I think it's the most interesting Malfoy is in the entire series. There's one great scene where Malfoy totally almost becomes the good guy and Harry becomes the villain. And I love a good old-fashioned double turn and that they get dangerously close to doing it in the movie. Also, as a kid, I wasn't paying attention to Malfoy, but if you look in the background of almost any scene he's in, his brain, the actor Tom Felton, is clearly like his mind is somewhere else. Like, even in scenes where the shot is not on him, he's devoted to, I need to look distraught and mentally not there. Like, he looks depressed The every scene that he's in. I was like, that's good attention to detail there, Tom Felton. Good for that, you. That's actually that is very good. I because I, I just went through these films last year, so they're 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 fresh in my mind. My, my parents really enjoyed them. Half Blood Prince for me is my favorite. Um, I and well, I, I would love to discuss uh, part one and part two with you next week or whenever you get done with them. But I love Half Blood Prince because it's just the calm before the storm. Everyone knows what's coming, and and what do you do in a in a story that is like transitory in nation in like in its own nature. So for me that that's where a lot of character work is done. I could not agree with you more because that that's one of my favorite things in story is not is not where the, the plot just has to keep going forward. I, I just want times of of quiet where you can really see the characters like walls come down and just be very vulnerable because I mean even all the fans, you know, the fans who read the books or anywhere else, you knew this wasn't the last one, but it's the setup for this massive finale. So everyone mm-hmm. knows what's coming. And even the characters themselves know that something's coming and brewing because of, you know, what they're finding. And I think of the 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 notion when you when you look at uh, what what happens with with Snape and and what uh, Dumbledore and he says, you know, Severus, please it's such i mean it's a double entendre we just don't know it right mm-hmm. and, and i so i love the half blood prince mm-hmm. um yeah i i just one of my favorite scenes in all of harry potter it just makes me sound horrible but i love the bathroom scene when harry almost kills malfoy because oh, it, it's yeah. it sounds horrible but it's that hate and obsession can you make you do ter- terrible things even if you're a good person 
um half blood prince to me rewatching it now is very much the empire strikes back of the harry potter world of like you really have to get knocked down before your heroes can come back up because the middle part of your story is where the bad things really need to start hitting the fan um solo getting frozen carbonite maybe dead killing off dumbledore uh, you're, you really need to lose hope. Avengers Infinity War, half the world being destroyed. The, Big yes. The bigger your valley, the greater the triumph. I've had this discussion with um, someone before of they only like happy stories. And I get that. But if you have nothing but happiness in your story, the victory is hollow. Why does Endgame work? Because we got kicked in the balls in the last movie. We lost hard. Yeah. Um, so yeah. when you get that victory at the end, it feels worth it. Um, yeah. like it's sad it, it's Dumbledore dies, but it feels more rewarding at the end. Um, when Harry finally wins the day, like you can have great victory, but the more trials and tribulations you've overcome, the greater that victory in film as well. No, that, that is, I, I can't agree more, honestly. I, I think, you know, as a, as a character, I mean, and it's also more relatable to life. And I think some of the best films, I know we've discussed this when we were roommates in college, spoiler alert, that's, I know that's throwing back a few years if anyone didn't remember or is, is coming into this conversation for the first time. But it, it's one of those things that, you know, what, what do the best films do? They're, they might not receive the the most critical acclaim as a consensus, nor the highest box office, but but films that are iconic, they move you and for almost every emotion. In Infinity War is one of those films that makes you laugh, it makes you cry, it makes you angry, it makes you it makes you incredibly joyful. Uh, but then you're you're left with this kind of bitterness. Um, but that's also relatable to life. And even though I think people genuinely like to escape in film, right? We like we we want the fanciful, we want we want to escape from the realities and maybe some of the depressing parts of life. But every now and then, if a director and a creative team, if they play it right, and, and they and they still captivate you with with this mysticism uh, of of film and this art form, but yet they connect to you as a person, then it's a fine line. It is a very fine line. But when they do that, those are the films that that we uh, we replay for years and years, and it doesn't matter how many times we watch them. We, we or it's like we're watching them for the first time with that those those little eyes of a kid and our eyes just light up and, and you can tell your relatives you can tell people who watch it with you for the first time like this hit me or this is special because and and I think you know half half I'm not saying this is deserving of like a lot of the Harry Potter films but half blood prince in the same way you mentioned you you said with infinity war like that's why those connect to me so well you talked about talking about to, to your future generations i would like to be able to tell my future generations what a movie theater is but at the rate <laughs> we're going i don't have faith that i'll ever be able to do that again because as if the theaters weren't in a bad enough situation they just they're shooting themselves in the foot even more right now as as we're recording this earlier today in fact um cinemark has also made a deal with universal so we said um a few months back that Universal made a deal with AMC Theaters to basically um, shorten the theatrical window, basically, and 
Now Cinemark's getting in on that too. So basically the theatrical window is how long a movie has to be in theaters before it can go on demand. So how long a movie can be in theaters means how much money it can make at the box office, etc, etc. Um, well, Cinemark has now made a deal with Universal that if a Universal movie does not make $50 million opening weekend then after 17 days, it does not need to be in theaters anymore. And it can go straight to video on demand with Cinemark getting a cut of that revenue. Um, I get what Universal is going for here. I really do. Mm-hmm. This is not a good idea, Cinemark. You're, you're dancing with the devil here. This is not a good idea. Um, we, we, we talked with AMC. It's always dangerous to be the first penguin in the water. It, I think it's almost just as dangerous to be the second one here because now you're following somebody else's lead and it might not be the best idea. Um, and I don't know if this is the great idea here for Cinemark. I know they're desperate for cash. Theaters are desperate for money right now. I just don't know if this was the route to go because now basically theaters need to only show a movie. If a movie doesn't make $50 million opening weekend... It can basically be out of theaters within two weeks and in your home, which some of you are like, yeah, that sounds awesome. It, it, do you not want to see movies in theaters anymore when we're safe and allowed to do it again? This just screams the death of the theater to me, and I don't like that at all. Yeah. It's – we just mentioned Infinity War. Um, can we can we just quote it and saying I am inevitable? Um, I mean – in a way that this this seems inevitable, uh, and and how the the way the market has changed this year and potentially irreversibly damaged certain industries, as heartbreaking as it is, the market always adapts, and it adapts um, when it's financially uh, and fiscally responsible to uh, people. Uh, it's going to seek the easiest pathway forward in, in order to return income again and uh, to turn a profit. It's it's not rocket science to figure out, and this is the least uh, least path of resistance uh, for them. And and it really really hurts because I mean we're talking about I mean give me a ballpark here Nathan for for the higher end movies. Um, what are these? I mean where's the end? For premium VOD uh, pricing, like what? I mean, if if um, you want to leverage it, I mean, if if you know you have the market, like I mean, could you imagine like people for smaller movies, you're not going to get away with it, but it's like, hey, if you guys want to see uh, um, this Marvel film, like they there's nothing that dictates that they have to be cheap with what they charge us. Well, uh, to counter that, I think there is a limit for right now, um, and that's sure. I think around twenty bucks. Um, okay. Because that's kind of the average price right now for premium um, on-demand stuff. Because uh, Disney tried to up it for Mulan. And that backfired and blew up in their face hysterically. And it made my day. Because Disney got on their high horse going, We don't need the theatrical experience for 30 bucks In addition to the 8 bucks that you're already paying for Disney+. Plus. You can see Mulan. People didn't like Mulan. And nobody bought Mulan because they knew it was coming later. Um, whereas some movies are doing halfway decent. Um, 
with the $20 premium video on demand. Like the shot, what I will dub the movie heard around the world. Cause I, I think it's, what's going to start the movie civil war. Oddly enough is trolls world tour. This is, that's what started everything. The trolls world tour was like the first like premium on demand movie this year. That was 20 bucks. And it didn't light up the on demand market, but it did. Okay. Enough. Um, so, I do think premium video on demand is the future that we're headed to. I just don't like that because I like to see it in the theater. Um, yeah. Now the question I don't remains, I don't either. Um, if we do go to premium on demand like we're doing, do you see it being like a twenty dollars for rent or a twenty dollar twenty or thirty dollars to own? In your personal opinion. Uh, well, I I think uh, financially it's it's gonna it almost has to be to to rent it uh, because there's no way they would lose their shirt if it was twenty dollars to own it because I mean the whole idea of premium is that you get access to it immediately but you're going to pay a premium in order to get access to it uh, and to try to have I mean we talked about it last week to try to have this you know home version of a of a theater which you know are getting more and more you know, uh, capable and more attractive as the years gone on. Um, but I don't see how they get a, around the rentals because if you break down uh, the budget plus marketing, of course this does, I mean, this does offer a question though. Marketing's going to have to change. Cause usually what, what is, what's the, give me, give me the, give me the numbers here. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, it's usually what two, two and a half times. But if you have a blockbuster movie, it costs a hundred million. You usually have to break two hundred and fifty million right to turn a yep. profit because of marketing. Basically, whatever right? the budget is, double it for marketing and everything okay. else. Do you mean I, I would? I guess I'd have to ask this. Let me clarify this. Does marketing shift if you have premium VOD coming two, three weeks after a, a movie has premiered? Do they save money that way? I think they would save money on marketing. Yes. Okay. But, I, is it substantial though? I mean. Well, if you don't have to run ads for two months uh, on commercials, because I mean, and everywhere, if you can just put it up on a streaming service and say, "Hey, it's available," I mean, but see, even, if you, put, even if you put it on a streaming service, like, um, there is some money to be made in that, and like people signing up. But eventually, you're going to run out of people to sign up, and you've got to find yeah. a way to make that revenue. That's why I'm like, I don't want the box office to go away because I like seeing movies in theaters, but also, guys. This will kill the theatrical experience, and if we yeah. don't have the that the theatrical experience, sorry, I can't speak right now. Apparently, um, say goodbye to endgame level movies. You will see a bunch of mid-budget movies. Uh, the big spectacle movies will be gone because the financial incentive to make them will not be there. You think movie studios make mon- make movies because you think that they think you'll enjoy them? No, they make it for money. Why do you think the big, huge movies are big and huge? Because they make big and huge money. And if the money's not there anymore, they're not going to make those movies. We're not going to see the death of movies. We're going to see the death of large-scale movies, though. I mean, this truly is a – I mean, no – not even arguing conjecture here, not even using hyperbole. I mean, this truly is an existential crisis for the movie theater industry. Uh, You cannot sugarcoat it. The, the solutions I do not I do not envy um, the decision makers at these companies I really don't now they they have I mean especially when you take it down to the human level it's easy to criticize decisions that studios are making but when you have livelihoods on the line of like okay I'm gonna we're, we're hemorrhaging it, it's like the ship is going down 
but we need to keep the ship afloat as long as we can to get the lifeboats um, ready so we can save everyone here. Well, in order to do that, I mean, you can shut down and just, you know, have everyone go home and then everyone's stuck, or you can see the writing on the wall and act responsibly and, and try to do the best as you can. And for these people to have jobs on the line, livelihoods again changing, I mean, if anyone's ever experienced a layoff, I mean, I, I mean, you're going to be relating to, to these people. I mean, for the, for the people that are not, you know, actually on the screen together, these are real jobs, like what you and I do. And yes, it's in a area of entertainment, um, but there was a market there, just like any you know, driven economy, a free economy. We, us as the consumer, we, we show our value. We show that we value that because we spend money on it. So it's you always want to talk about, well, how important are, are they and how essential are they? And I think for somebody like you, Nate, having followers for this podcast and, and seeing what movies can do to people, especially those, you know, especially if we've seen like rises in depression, and anxiety um, during all of this this year, like movies offer a, a way of, of escape. Not and yes, it, maybe it's abused to a point where it's unhealthy, of course, but there's nothing that we've always had forms of art. We've had, I mean, before movies, it was plays uh, is the predominant form. Before that, you know, you had you had people, you know, involved with books. I mean, we've had books, we've had plays, we've had you know, concerts. Entertainment has always been there. And, and and we've just been privileged to have it to this extent in our society. And man, I, I don't know how to say this, Nate. I don't want to be a downer, but it, it really, I mean, I don't see a, a way around this unless we snap our fingers tomorrow and things go back to normal, which we know is not happening. So I, 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 I agree with you, sadly. I hate to agree with you, but I really do. So – you talked about uh, big decisions that are coming, and one that uh, Warner Brothers is currently facing is what the oh heck to do with <laughs> Wonder Woman 1984. Because this movie, I believe, was supposed to come out in either May or June, sometime in the summertime. Uh, and it's been delayed quite a few times now. A delay after delay after delay because the world just isn't ready for Wonder Woman because it's not safe for everyone in the world to see wonder woman yet and they want to make the most amount of money possible because the last one made like close to 900 million dollars so wonder woman is a big franchise well now it seems like um at least this is not confirmed this is just something that apparently um is being reported by the major trades that it's a possibility that warner brothers is considering not that they will just that they're considering it and that is that Wonder Woman 1984 would open on its scheduled release date of Christmas Day. And then after that 17 days, it would go straight to HBO Max. Now, um, I don't, they didn't say if it would be like a Disney Plus Mulan situation where you would have to pay on HBO Max. Because uh, I am an HBO Max person and I knew this was going to end up on HBO Max eventually. I was just hoping it would last a little longer in theaters. Uh, they're debating whether to do the HBO Max route, which I've seen a lot of people going, Wonder Woman will go straight to HBO Max. Not quite. It'll have at least some theatrical time before then, um, either to do that model or wait until next summer to release Wonder Woman. Um, Boy, I see both sides of this, and I'm glad I'm not in the Warner Brothers shoes here because... Um, they're still trying to build the brand that is HBO Max. For God's sake, they only just got Amazon Fire support this week, and it's been out for six months. Mm. Um, mm -hmm. I'm still waiting on Roku, 
and 4K support. Like, I'm not looking forward to the Snyder Cut, but I better be able to watch that on my Roku and with 4K if I'm going to watch it. Like, I want to be able to watch it in the best possible quality. And if they're going to move this to HBO Max, they better have a Roku deal figured out or else a lot of people aren't going to be able to watch this movie. Um, But on the flip side, they've spent so much money on merchandising and marketing for this movie going forward to delay it even more would just cost them even more money so i see both sides to this and at the end of the day i think they might go the hbo max route after a limited release just because 2021 is going to get real crowded real fast it's basically two years worth of movies in one year um so it just depends on how much money they think they can get out of HBO Max and when they think they're going to get good levels sometime soon. So, yeah, I think they'll probably go the route of the HBO Max thing. Um, yeah. But as, at the flip side, I could see them doing the theatrical release next year. It's just a matter of you've spent so much on marketing. Can you make your money back? You probably need to make a billion dollars, which looking at the first one, yeah, that's possible. It's just a matter of will enough people go mm-hmm. to see it. Uh, what do you see with this, Michael? Uh, that's, you bring up all of the the problems, and again, the solutions. I mean, this is a this is a hybrid version in a way. They're they're trying something new. I don't know if it's the best platform, honestly. Like you're right, it's been a very rough start for HBO Max. I I have a lot of. Uh, a lot of sadness to see, like you said, no 4K support. The first time I read that, I'm like, are you serious? Um, that that aside, the, the original release date, after being delayed from December of 19, uh, by the way, was June 5th. So, I mean, at this point, like you had said, with 2021 being stacked, so, I mean, if there's any saving grace for the theaters, if if restrictions, you know, or go away, uh, the movie theaters will be packed. Um, absolutely. I mean, that's my that's my you know, hope, I guess maybe that's a little naive, but, um, yeah, this, how does this end? Well, if they release it, cause once they do, I mean, they're committed. You can't really walk it back. I, I was actually really surprised well, because they've walked back around, several release dates now. So you can walk back release dates. New mutants. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I, yeah, no, you can. I just, I, I thought that they would, uh, honestly, I, 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 but once you actually release it, if the time comes and it's already out in theaters and they release an HBO max, I mean, the genie's out of the bottle. Your, your potential, you know, real grab it, uh, the market share is gone uh, because, like you said, of 2021. Now, I, and I don't know where they could put it, but, I mean, majority of, of big income films that are, I mean, people go out and see them immediately. So it's not it's not like the majority of the income is spread out over the course of time. So, um, man, I don't know what I would do. Uh, but I, I don't like this move. But then again, I don't think any of these moves that these companies are making are what they really want to do anyway. So I don't have to be happy about it, but it is it is what it is. I, I just know here in Michigan, in this state, because we just got new restrictions today, I won't be able to go see it. So I don't know where this – I don't even know where this thing's releasing. If it releases in theaters, where? Because I can't see it unless I fly somewhere. Maybe I should come see you for Christmas. Just to see <laughs> Wonder Woman, which will probably end up being from everything I've heard about it perfectly fine um i don't want to bash on wonder woman i haven't seen it but i have heard some things that i'm just like oh that sounds not as good as it could be um but i'm gonna give wonder woman the benefit of the doubt it was mostly good in the first one except for the end where the wheels kind of fell off but (laughs) we 
we've know, had too much the whole negative. impression and somewhat payoff. Huh? <laughs> you said you mean the the uh, the impression of the film and the and the supposed payoff. You know, that's what they struggled with. Yeah, when Professor Lupin is revealed to be Ares. Oh, yeah. So we've had enough negative news. Let's get into some positive news because we do have some positive news to come out this week. Um, this is hardly surprising, but it's still nice to hear either way. Um, we know Thor, Love and Thunder, if that's not just a wonderful name, uh, directed by Taika Waititi, mm-hmm. is in active development and is the next Thor movie. Well, add another member to the cast as we're going to have Chris Hemsworth, Star-Lord himself, joining the cast of Thor, Love and Thunder. Now, I said this is hardly surprising because it Chris, seemed after Chris Pratt, Chris Pratt, Chris Hemsworth, of course, Chris, is going to be in Thor Chris Love Pratt. and Thunder, although whether he's going to be the main character, I'm not entirely convinced about. But that's a discussion for a later day. Uh, Chris Pratt. This is hardly surprising with Avengers Endgame. Um, they kind of set up as Guardians of the Galaxy and given Guardians of the Galaxy three due to James Gunn's involvement with the Suicide Squad, which we'll talk about next, actually. Um, given that that's an active development, we're not going to get the, um, Guardians of the Galaxy 3 for a while. So this, this makes sense. My question is, do we think other members of the Guardians of the Galaxy will be involved? And this cast is already pretty big. I'd imagine Korg's coming back, Brothor, Jane Foster's coming back, Valkyrie, um, Christian Bale, whatever he's playing, if he's going to yell at another light person, um... It's what role do we think Chris Pratt is going to have in this? And also, do you think other guardians are going to show up, Michael? Uh, You know, that's a great question. They set it up perfectly at the end of Endgame there. And, you know, the as guardians of the galaxy, that whole meme. Um, I I mean, truly the um, insecurity of Star-Lord standing next to Thor, like I, I think it's just perfect. Um, and, and like they both both have that. So I, I think they could almost be a, a friendly foil to each other. Um, other other Guardians characters, I, I don't see why not, because if Guardians 3 is way off, I, I don't see why they can't throw a scene in there, maybe even post credits or something. I, I'm not sure um, where they can maybe um, uh, finally tease. Well, well is uh, what was Beta I'm so Ray sorry Bill? here. What? Yeah. Well, that's that's hilarious. Beta Ray what, Bill. What? Beta Ray Bill. What was it? Was it Ending of Guardians two that they teased Black Adam? Black Adam is DC. That's the Rock. Oh, excuse me. You're thinking of that's um, the... Adam Warlock. Adam Warlock. Excuse yes, that was Guardians so, two. I don't know if they would. Thank you. Uh, and uh, sorry, I'm so I I know I lost all the all the respect I just I just had. I gained a little bit. It's all gone now. I apologize. Yes, you get the, um, like the. One of the few Adams in comics you get them mixed up. Hey, okay, I'm sorry, Mr. Since, you know, Chris Adam Hemsworth, such a Chris com- Pratt, man. Why okay. is why is Adam just not very common? I can only think of like Black Adam, Adam Strange, and Adam Warlock. That's about it. I can't think yeah, of I, anybody I got, else. I got nothing there. So and so maybe they're gonna tease that. I I would I would put more money on the more Guardians showing up, but I think the wild card there is. is Potentially, I mean, this is a, a Thor film, but I don't think it's going to have any any implications. If anything, I think Chris Pratt's going to be there because of his kind of rivalry with 
Thor. Uh, I don't think the rest of them, because there'd just be such a crowded film. It'd be basically an Avengers movie at that point if the rest Which, of the Guardians were there Marvel, as supporting characters. Marvel clearly is not opposed to larger scale, just everyone. No. Like Captain America Civil War is basically Avengers 2.5. Yeah. Um, my hope is with Thor and Love and Thunder, now with Star-Lord in it, we get more galactic like we did with Ragnarok. Of oh, Get sure. us away from Earth, but also, hey, Disney, you do now have some recently acquired galactic related fox characters if you would like to um maybe throw a silver surfer in the mix i would not complain in the slightest um oh yeah um do you now now question i i I do need to ask you these two things i actually don't know where you stand one do have to go back to adam warlock was that a tease was that something that maybe got scrapped when james gunn was was fired or do you think that is the play for for guardians 3 i think that is the play for guardians 3 Okay. Okay. And then, then what? What is your, what is your overall impression of, like, like Thor, Love and Thunder, what the rumored storyline is, and the bringing back of Jane Foster's character? I'll be honest. Aside from Captain Marvel, there's no character in the MCU I hate more than Jane Foster. I hated Natalie okay. Portman's Jane Foster so much, and that's why I like Ragnarok so much. Is we got away from the Earth bullcrap, um, mm-hmm. and got away from her. That being said. I trust Taika Waititi as a director. So if there's anybody that could make Jane Foster work, it's either Taika Waititi or maybe the Russos. But the Russos never touched Jane Foster. They never... No. They they had her in a cameo in Endgame, but that was pre-existing footage. Um, Sure. I trust Taika Waititi as a director. So if anybody's going to make her work in my eyes... It's going to be her. Also, we're not going to dip into spoilers here, but if they go the route that's so heavily rumored for Jane Foster of what happens to her in the comics, it's going to be really, really hard to not root for that. If Sure. If you still don't like Jane Foster after the route that they take the character in this one, you, you're you going to kind of come off as a horrible person. <laughs> uh, again, without saying too much... This could be what, not redeems, but makes Jane Foster an interesting character, at least for me, because as it stands right now, Thor has some of the worst characters. Besides Thor, I hate Jane Foster, but I also hate Darcy. She's just the worst. I I roll my eyes hard. She's not coming back, is she? She's coming back for WandaVision. Oh, is she? That's interesting. Okay. Um, But yeah, I hope, and I wouldn't be surprised if we get some teases for future things i maybe silver surface too early but some form of maybe some newer toys that we just got in the toy box recently um we'll see there's a lot of interesting rumors out there and i think that's what's so exciting about the mcu right now is there's just a lot of interesting routes and things that could be bubbling underneath the surface that we don't even know about like we know a mahershala ali blade movies coming soon there's been rumors for a while of uh, Namor, the Submariner, who is um, referenced kind of in Endgame. Um, there has been some rumors. I don't know if I buy them, but I would love to see it of some Ghost Rider Easter eggs. Um, mm. Fingers crossed. I would I would find Kevin Feige and give him a hug if they cast Keanu Reeves as Ghost Rider. Hmm. Hmm. Well, that would that's very interesting actually not even something i even consider because because you're right all these 
you know, heroes. I mean, we've already seen, you know, prior iterations and not done in the best of ways, but um, that would be, that'd be pretty amazing to put all that together. Um, question real, real quick is speaking is kind of bringing it back to the immediate. What is, what is the tentative release date for love and thunder? Uh, I think it was supposed to be next year, but right now I know one of the issues that I'm having with this uh, pandemic is I don't know when anything's coming out anymore and movie release dates are my actual schedule of like I know what time of year it is based of what movies are coming out soon I think it's sometime 2022 I can't okay. remember if it's a summer or a fall 2022 release but yes 2022 I believe is the new release date they're still in the pre-production phase uh they I thought I heard they were filming but I'm not sure I'm not currently like 100% up to date with Love and Thunder like I am with like Uncharted or the Batman production. Um speaking of kind of so Sylvester Stallone worked with director James Gunn at least a little bit in uh the Guardians of the Galaxy volume 2. See most of Guardians of the Galaxy 2 I've already forgotten except for the giant Kurt Russell. Um, but he was briefly in it, and it seemed like he had a future as a Ravager or some form of capacity. He might be back for Guardians of the Galaxy 3. Well, James Gunn must have enjoyed working with him so much, because now we know that he has added Sylvester Stallone to the cast of The Suicide Squad. And I am so, so on board for this. And not just because I'm a huge Sylvester Stallone fan, I just... I like this a lot. I'm already really excited for The Suicide Squad. I think this has a lot of interesting directions. Uh, And I didn't mind the one from 2016. It was chopped to bits, clearly, in post-production. But I'm really looking forward to this zany, off-the-wall approach. I have some theories as to who I think he's playing, or some hopes of who I think he's playing. But... um, Michael, you see that Sylvester Stallone has been added to the Suicide Squad. Do you think he's going to be a large-scale character, a small-scale? you excited? General thoughts about this? Sure. Why? I mean, it's never a mistake to add talent, according to uh, the wonderful and wise John Campia. So, I mean, adding talent, I, I love it. And, yeah, you know, it's one of those things, you know, in, in the Guardians, in Guardians, when he appears there, you're kind of like, well, it's is that really Sylvester Sloan? Then he talks you're like, okay, yeah, that's obviously him. Um, but I love it. And I don't think it's gonna be a big role. I mean, I think they've already tipped their hand with the marketing, what it's going to be at least about or trend towards. I um, don't think so. Well, I, I, that's, that's just the feeling I got. That's the feeling I got. I don't think nope. unless he's the villain. I oh, mean, no, I don't without spoiling too much or cause I'm, I'm pretty sure of my theory. Let's just say, I don't think the villain of the Suicide Squad will be a human villain. I'll say that. Oh, interesting. Okay. I might, Michael. If you still want to know, I'll tell you off mic when we're done. I don't want to spoil it for people here because sure. I think I'm. I think I'm right. All right. Yeah. Well, uh, I, I think. Well, that aside, I, I guess. Yeah. I think. I think it's gonna be a small role, but I think it's cool. Uh, and you know, who knows? Maybe we'll see him uh, pop up in the future. But. I, you know, I honestly don't know. I haven't been following the Suicide Squad's like development. I did, I did like the teaser they put out. Um, it's it looks bonkers. I will say that. it looks like, you know, that's what in the reshoots what they 
we're realizing like maybe we shouldn't make a very dark film. Uh, so let's maybe try to make it a little more humorous to to, to disastrous effects. Um, so yeah. I don't know. Maybe they're finally um, they found the tone that they really wish they would have captured initially. What you didn't like Queen every five minutes? Listen, I was actually really excited. I still remember where I was when I first saw the 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 trailer for the Suicide Squad and it came out of Comic Con. I remember where I was and it was edgy, it was dark, and I'm like, if this is the tone they're going for, this is amazing. If like the film has this tone, then you saw the movie and you're like, what were they marketing? Like we should sue for you know like misrepresentation, honestly. So, uh, what I'm really excited about with the Suicide Squad is James Gunn seems to be pulling out of pulling out his bag of tricks of just going, okay, what are some really, really obscure characters we can have in this rat catcher? Um, (laughs) Mongol, um, the thinker blood sport. Maybe I almost said who I think Nathan Fillion is playing. Um, but let's just say, I think there's a reason that his, his logo is like the arms crossed together that are separate from the rest Mm -hmm. of his body. Um, but there's, a King Shark. I'm so excited for King Shark. Now, some people are suggesting that they think Sylvester Stallone will be voicing King Shark because in that teaser, they said who everyone is playing, but they just showed King Shark, but they didn't say who's voicing him. I don't think so. I still firmly under the impression that Taika Waititi is voicing King Shark because he's mm-hmm. in the movie in some capacity. They just haven't said what he's doing. And also, how great would it be if there's a gigantic killer shark voiced by Taika Waititi? And I'm going to bite your head off now. And it's going to be very pleasant for me. I actually, I don't know why. But as soon as I saw Sylvester Stallone was attached to this, and I was like, James Gunn's been going really, really obscure. And maybe I was just on a Young Justice kick at the time. When I saw he was cast, I immediately thought, you're playing Sportsmaster. Now, that's a really obscure character, and I'm pretty sure Michael doesn't even know who the heck I'm talking about here. I, um, I do not. You're, you're correct. So, Sportsmaster is the father of a character named Artemis, who was um, one of Green Arrow's sidekicks at one point. He's basically, if Dick Sporting Goods was evil, um, he uses sporting equipment as... He's an assassin that uses sporting equipment. So, he wears a hockey mask like Jason... And he's basically like a master archer, fencer, uses any form of sporting equipment. I don't know why, but this stood out to me. Of He's also an older character as he's a father. Mm-hmm. I think having Rocky in your movie be some form of a former athlete, and maybe it's not a huge role. I don't know why, but I can't help the fact, but I just think he's playing sports master. I think I could be way off on this, and I probably am. But given how obscure the characters were getting, and Sportsmaster is really obscure. Like, I have a DC encyclopedia. He's not even in that encyclopedia, which shows how helpful that book is. But um, uh, I, I don't know why. I just think it'd be funny if the former Rocky plays some old person that uses sporting equipment. But that could just be me. <laughs> With that description, I mean, how could you not like it? <laughs> I mean, come on. I mean, it, it fits. It fits the whole tone that it looks like they're going for. It's James Gunn. I I trust him. Um. Hmm? So, next up, I'll be honest. I'm not looking forward to this in the slightest at oh, all. No. Cause, and here's where I'm gonna get roasted alive. 
I don't like the original for this movie at all. But uh, it's oh, happening. Oh, man. Because Disney's on their reboot train. So Disney has been rebooting a whole bunch of their old uh, animated movies. And we had heard rumblings of this for a while. And now we know it's officially happening. We're getting a live-action remake of Lilo and Stitch by the guy that brought us the Crazy Rich Asians movie. I think it was a year or two ago. I have not seen Crazy Rich Asians, but I've heard great things about it. I'm not looking forward to this at all. I hate Stitch. He's the Caillou of Disney for me. He is so annoying and gets away with so much mischief. I've never understood the appeal of Stitch other than, hey, he's fluffy and we can sell the crap out of his merchandise. I just don't see it. I don't want this. Also, yeah. I, I've i been saying Disney Plus needs more original content. But this ain't it, Chief. If w- Maybe it's the, still the stigma of we haven't gotten a ton of new Disney Plus content besides The Mandalorian. Um, but this is going straight to Disney Plus. That's not a vote of confidence for me. Um, and maybe it should be or shouldn't be because we haven't had a whole bunch of original Disney Plus movies yet to truly base it off of. Like, Netflix, if you say Netflix original movie, no thanks, I'm out! Your movies are trash! Your series are great, but your movies are god-awful. Um, Disney Plus, we just don't know yet. Um, I still, I don't care about Stitch, so I doubt I'll be checking this out as I sit in my anger going, fine, you're approving a live-action Lilo and Stitch, but you still have no desire whatsoever to do a live-action Treasure Planet. Thank you very much. Oh. Oh, yeah, I mean, listen, there's, I mean, if you go back to the same well and dip, uh, and you're like, hey, it's the same thing, we're just, you know, just a couple years later, you guys won't remember. Yeah, listen, I'm coming to the same conclusion as you are, but it's not... I'm not starting in the same place. I love the first Lilo and Stitch. I love it. I, it's adorable to me. Do not, under any circumstances, do I want to see a live action Lilo and Stitch. No, it's, that is that's not the nostalgia that I'm looking for. Okay. Also, as a but, creature design, I don't think Stitch translates to live action well. No, by no means. Like you're, that was the first thought I had. Was how are they gonna portray him? Like I don't want to watch Sonic. Hey, <laughs> basically. hey, hey, hey! That I'm wasn't a, a bad I'm... design in the end. But look what they had to do to get there. Um, of course, then there's that whole speculative thing. Did they do it on purpose? Um, listen, yes, they did. Um, yes, they and, did. <laughs> yeah, treasure, Treasure Planet. Uh, yeah, that's something that would 100% work, but it's a bigger scale film. Like, that's, that's a, that would be a spectacle to see. Okay, so, like, yeah. to me, the hardest thing in the world would be, like, Morpheus coming to me with a blue pill going, live action Treasure Planet movie that's actually great, because the original is great, <laughs> or the red pill, Brad Bird directing Man of Steel 2, to which I just go... I hate Oof. you, and I'm taking both pills, and you can't stop me. Um, yeah, that's right. I just don't care. But also, at the same time, it's going to hurt to say, good for you, Disney, because you need more content on Disney+. Plus. Right, yeah. that yeah. Because you really do. Like, we love Mandalorian, and the Imagineering story was great, and I get that you can't do a whole lot right now with COVID, but... You'd really need more content and quick. Like, I'm excited for Falcon Winter Soldier. Not so much excited for WandaVision. It just doesn't seem to get me excited. But Disney Plus, you're going to need new content and soon. Like, 
I know Netflix has you beat by like a decade, but you need more movies, you need more shows, and I know you consolidate a lot of your departments to funnel to directly to Disney Plus, but you need to start working on that sooner rather than later. Mm-hmm. No, you no, know, absolutely. I mean, going through Disney Plus. I mean, here's a here's a question. Uh oh. If if the Mandalorian left Disney Plus tomorrow, how many subscribers, like percentage of their base, would would leave with it? I'm gonna surprise you. Twenty percent. You think so? I think a lot Which, of people. That's huge, by the way. <laughs> they're at seventy-three million right now. I think it would drop lost... to about fifty million. I mean, that would be significant, but though, wouldn't it? They would. It would still make them number two overall. But the thing is, a lot of people forget or overlook. Like, we're not in it. Or I have had one of our pe- favorite people that we watched always insist that eventually people are going to get mad that there's no new content. I think there's a big factor that a lot of people overlook with the success of Disney+. Plus. Families love it. I sure. think even if Absolutely. there's no new content for three straight months, the numbers don't change drastically for Disney+, Plus because so many of families are involved. Because families want something that they can trust their kids to watch for hours on end while they do whatever, especially in a time like this when kids need to be inside for a while. Um, mm. But also... It, Disney Plus has a huge advantage over some of its competitors with its price point. Like, people can't get mad because it's 8 bucks. Like, I still have HBO yeah. Max because on the promise of the future of what the platform could be. And also, they've got a great library currently, and I have faith in what they will do. But that's 15 bucks. If you want prime Netflix with your 4K content and everything else we talked about last week, it's like 18 bucks. Disney Plus was smart out of the gate with their 8 bucks. So I think they need more content. But also, they're like, what are you going to do? You're paying eight bucks. What do you expect? Like, you still have a lot of content on Disney Plus. I just think they need more. Well, something that Disney Plus could put on their platform is a Scorpion King movie. Why not? (laughs) That's for the kids. Um, So, the Scorpion King, for those that don't know, was Dwayne The Rock Johnson's first foray into the world of movies. And it's bad. It's not very good at all, but somehow, some way, there's like four or five other ones that are like direct to DVD, um, with a whole bunch of washed up actors. But now it seems like The Rock and his uh, production company Seven Bucks Pictures are rebooting The Scorpion King, and they'll be using like it's some new up and coming actor. Now I have a theory that I don't like. But I'll get to that in a little bit. Um, This is odd. This is just weird. But at the same time, there is nowhere to go but up in this situation. So (laughs) what do you have to lose? My only hope is they redo the shot from The Mummy Returns when we see the Scorpion King for the first time. Like the infamous worst CGI Mm. shot in history, this side of Birdemic, like... I want them to redo that shot with modern special effects just because, just to do it over again. Um, But, yeah, the Scorpion King reboot is announced in 2020. Michael, these are weird times, don't we, live in? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, a question, was there an actual, like, this is where I, like, I've watched both films, but... The fact that he's not a scorpion in the Scorpion King, like, what is the connection between 
the mummy and the scorpion king films like is there a connection there oh it's been so long since i've watched the mummy sequels because i just end up watching the mummy the first one with brendan frazier um so i don't remember i you're gonna make me have to go back and watch the scorpion king so i'm I'm very sorry because like he's not he's not a he's a dude in the scorpion king no he's but they mentioned the scorpion king in the mummy and or the mummy returns right and it's like Mm -hmm. wait a minute so they're the same person and the same title and they're like two different life forms that doesn't make any sense i listen i i mean i like the scorpion king because of michael clark duncan i don't like the film but i think there's a lot of uh, a lot of cool stuff in there i there, there's it's so cheesy like it's such a cheesy film I, I don't think him as being an actor for the first time there have been certainly much worse debuts of people from entertainment in their first like hollywood film i mean absolutely i, I don't think it's bad it's not good but it's not horrible i mean I, i'm come on it's not a horrible film like some of the stuff is cool right yeah it's not the, it's not the worst film but it's not great <laughs> either but he he yeah. redeemed himself with a movie that people don't talk about nearly enough with the rundown. That's a lot of fun. Uh, he got that got him more on track to be the rock that we know and love to this day. Did, did I, you like Walking Tall? Yes, I do like Walking okay. Tall. Uh, okay. I forgot about that one. Uh, yeah. Here is my theory that I'm worried about. He said he would. He wants to cast a new up and coming actor. Okay. Yeah. I think he's already got somebody in mind that he has worked with before in a little movie called Hobbs and Shaw. His oos, his cousin, former WW, current WWE champion, Roman Reigns. I am very much worried that he will cast Roman Reigns as the Scorpion King. Um, because of the familial connection and be like, I did it. Now my cousin can take over the franchise with me overseeing it. There's always been rumors of The Rock and Roman Reigns at WrestleMania. Uh, even though I fall now, I still hear about Roman a lot. So clearly the company is still pushing him forward. I would not be surprised if they want him to turn Roman into the next Rock or the next John Cena. And he wasn't bad in Hobbs and Shaw considering he has like one line. But I'm. this could just be me being overly concerned. But I really, really hope that this isn't just a... Where you want Roman Reigns to be in a movie of some kind because he's family. Family. So you wouldn't like see somebody like a Jason Momoa taking that type of role? Uh, no, because Jason Momoa is an already established name. Plus, Jason Momoa was in a Conan the Barbarian remake in 2011 that did not do very well. And I think he'll be tied mm-hmm. up with that like um Aqu- Aquaman franchise for the next couple of years that... Should probably get rid of of Amber Heard as Mara, but whatever. (laughs) (laughs) Sure. Okay. Well, I mean, I I guess to to summarize my thoughts is, uh, eh, don't really care. (laughs) They're going to have to court me. They're going to have to basically, you know, they're they're running for election. They're going to have to court my vote because right now I'm not sold on it at all. And our last story today is another positive one with a hint of sadness i think um i'm gonna choose to be optimistic because i choose to be an optimistic person by nature for the most part i'm prone to over exaggerations i'm aware of this but uh stephen capel jr the director of creed 2 has been tapped to direct the next transformers movie um i think this is both good and bad um 
I don't know about you, Michael, but I loved Creed 2. I actually liked it more than the first one, believe it or not. No, don't you say that. Are you kidding me? I liked 2 more than 1 because 2 felt more like a traditional Rocky movie. And that, it, that felt more like comfort food to me. It felt more like the Rocky, like a modern version of Rocky 2, 3, and 4 just amalgamated into one movie. And I'm a sucker for stuff like that. Like, I I like Creed a lot. I think the villain was much better in Creed 2. Like, I, for the life of me, can't remember the villain in the first Creed. Um, it, I don't know. It just felt more like an old school, just cliched sports movie. But I like cliche sports movies. Like, mm-hmm. I like that they withheld the Rocky music until he knocks down Drago for the first time, in which case I almost leapt out of my seat ex- so excited. Um, I'm both excited because I liked Creed 2, and I think Stephen Caple Jr. is a great director. Nowhere in this statement, though, do they make it seem like this is a sequel to Bumblebee. And that mm-hmm. makes me sad, because... Shame on y'all that didn't see Bumblebee in theaters, because, good grief, that is the best in the entire series. Like, Travis Knight worked a miracle with Bumblebee. I had no desire to see it, and I finally saw it. Um, I love me some Haley Steinfeld, though. She picks great things to be in, and she was great in that. Um, Maybe I'm partial to Bumblebee, because it's just a 2019 version of Iron Giant. But um, who am I to judge? <laughs> um, so I'm excited because I like Stephen Cable Jr.'s limited work that I've seen him in. Granted, I've only seen him with Creed 2, so I don't know. I am worried, however, about the writer of this movie. The writer of this movie wrote the Guy Ritchie and Charlie Hunnam King Arthur movie, which is single-handedly one of the worst movies oh. I have ever seen in theaters and Heather and I almost left. I oh, hate that boy. movie so much. And I don't think Michael knew that because I felt like he just zapped. I could see the energy zap out of his body right now. I did not know that. I, that, <laughs> was a, that uh, yeah, I knew better. I never saw, I never saw that film. So, oh man, that, that is really heartbreaking because I mean, I don't, I because I love Bumblebee. Like I thought it was great. Like my parents liked Bumblebee. Think oh, yeah. about that. Everybody should like I Bumblebee. Mean, yeah, and and so when I when I think about the potential like future, like they set it up really well. Good actors, good story, like you had mentioned. And then the the worst thing that happens is that you come become disjointed, and you know Marvel's really really spoiled us because they've shown us with to great success how to write continuity um have consistency and it doesn't seem like they're they don't really care about that necessarily right now and uh hearing you tell me what the writer was that's uh yeah i think you just summarized the entire mood both good news and bad news but hey can i can't yeah i guess it begs the question can a really good director save a really bad script yes um, I think it's easier to work around a bad script than it is to work to have a great script and a bad movie. Um, because I was about to say, but it's by the same director as it was the writer. But let's be honest: as much as we love Star Wars, 
A New Hope has a terrible script. It's not very good. A New Hope... I recognized your foul stench when I was brought on board. Really? Really? A New Hope is not written particularly well, but it overcomes that by some pretty decent direction. And all the good lines of dialogue were written by somebody else. There was a ghost writer for New Hope. Um, like, I think you can have a not necessarily the best written movie and still have it be okay. Um, I might have nightmares tonight that you just said that, so I'm going to have to go to my happy place now. Tell me I'm wrong, though. You're wrong. Oh, A New Hope <laughs> is written masterfully. No. I just don't think it's bad. I mean, I mean, I don't think. I, I mean, said I don't. It was when bad. I, I never said it was that great, though. It's really not well written. I, well, I don't see. I can't believe you go that far. It's well written. George I don't, Lucas I don't know, is not man. a good writer. Well, that, I don't Empire know. Strikes I, Back was written by Erwin Kirshner. No, Erwin Kirshner directed it. It, it was written by Jake uh, by Lawrence Kasdan, and that's the mm-hmm. best one. The best Star Wars movies are written by somebody else. I mean, I I, I agree with that. I just. <laughs> Uh, I and I agree with the fact that George is not that great of a writer, at least for the ones he wrote after the original trilogy. But I, I think uh, he didn't even write the original trilogy. He wrote well, a no, new hope. He, no, wrote a new hope. I, I'd say if you take if you remove him from that, I think I don't know. Like that's uh, he had a good. It's a kind of a time and era. Like scripts were. I mean, every movie had a different flow to them way back then. I mean, you could always pick out like stories masterpieces, haven't changed. But, but I, yeah, I know storytelling hasn't changed. But I'm sure oh, man, I, you have no I bias. Just, I just wasn't ready for that. Talk. About, I just wasn't ready for you to say that. I got, I'm gonna have to rethink my whole my whole thoughts on a new hope then, because I just rewatched that here recently. So I'm sure you man. have more of a bias though, because I'm a Star Wars fan, but I don't have nostalgia well, goggles for it. I, I am. Uh, I am. I'm biased. I mean, of course, I'm biased. That's the best part. <laughs> uh, well. Before we get into our main discussion, um, this week's sponsor is, uh, Michael, you got a sponsor for us that you want to shout out? Just Yeah, so because... if for any of you in, in the industrial world, I mean, listen, we, we have, uh, our, our economy uh, is, is up and down all the time, but you know, the best thing about the American economy is that it's diverse. And I would like to get a shout out to a well-known little company of Linair Incorporated. They make the best industrial, hydraulic, and pneumatic cylinders on the market. If you at all are in need of any cylinders that are industrial grade and heavy duty, durable, and you can have reliable customer service, go to linair.com. That's L-Y-N-A-I-R.com today. Call them 517-787-2240. And their salespeople will be standing on by, standing on and standing by and then willing uh, to take your calls and help you out as best as they possibly can. Linair, the cylinder specialist since 1948. If we ever get like real sponsors, I'm just going to leave that to you, man. <laughs> You've already got the voice. You've already got this nailed down. But I don't, I'm on the fence about whether or not I agree with critics very often. I think hmm. at the end of the day, critics provide valid criticism and uh, a valid look at the world of movies because they see more than us they always will it is their job at the end of the day my recommendation is always find critics that you enjoy to read or listen to but never a hundred percent agree with them determine your own opinions i like the critics that i like 
not because I share the same opinion as them, but because I like the way that they deliver their opinion and they challenge my own thoughts on things. That should be what a critic is. Today, we're going to say screw that and talk about the ones that they hate. So, <laughs> there's a lot of <laughs> there's a lot of movies that I think critics, for one reason or another, just, it does not resonate with them. So that's the movies we're going to talk about today. Honorable mention to Hook, which I was, was shocked to find out, sits pretty on Rotten Tomatoes with a 29% approval rating. Oh my. Yeah. I, I thought people liked that movie. So... Uh, we're going to talk about movies that critics genuinely didn't like. Um, we, all these movies, at least I have checked on my list. Um, most of these tip to rotten and around 50% or lower. And this isn't an, I ironically love these. I genuinely love almost all of these. And I don't get most of these. I don't get why critics are so harsh on them. Some I do. And I still love them regardless. Um, Michael, why don't you kick us off though? What are what's a movie that critics really either were meh about or genuinely did not like? But you you're like I I like it though. It's so good. Uh, yes, for me, I'll start off on a lighter note. So let's go back to 1997. Okay, so part of our childhood. Let's do let's do Disney um, and Brendan Fraser. You know what film. I'm talking of from George of you, the Jungle's a masterpiece, George, y'all. George of the Jungle, it it, it it does sit as rotten on Rotten Tomatoes at 56%. So it's not as low as other films. But the fact that it's rotten, I think, is a crime. Mm. It is meta humor before meta humor was even a thing. It had it's intelligent humor. It's yes, there's a lot of slapstick in there. Yes, I understand that, but some of it is actually pretty intelligent. They break the fourth wall. I mean, there's not a lot of stuff that kids would get. And laugh at, and I still find myself to this day laughing at new things, and I don't understand why that film, you know, isn't more widely beloved. Because I th- really do think it is a good movie. Cheesy, yes, of course, but I mean, if you look at some of our most beloved films nowadays, there's always a cheesy element. I mean, the Marvel films have those cheesy Marvel type humor. Like it's just like now, like you got to go back 23 years. I mean, the fact that if I don't know, man. It's got a great cast. I think it's funny. It still makes me laugh. It's a crime that it's a 56%. It should be much higher than that. It should be certified fresh. Um, so I was so much of a fan of George of the Jungle as a kid. I had George of the Jungle 2 on DVD. That movie, that movie deserves to be rotten. That movie's bad. However, however, before you give me that eye roll, Michael, George of the Jungle 2 does have one of the funniest scenes I've ever seen. So they have this big sweeping epic landscape opening with the swelling music landscapes. The camera pans down to the new George of the Jungle because it's not Brendan Fraser. And the narrator goes, wait, you're not George of the Jungle? And the new guy goes, studio too cheap to hire Brendan Fraser. And I'm going, okay. The rest of the movie's bad. But you won me with that. I'll watch that. That's pretty good. I'll give you that oh, one. That's pretty. That's great. So, um, unfortunately, Disney kind of has. They knock some out of the park, and then they have some that I really think the critics misunderstand, um, oh. or they accuse of being some things that it really isn't. 
take for example my first disney movie that i'm going to talk about today they accuse this movie of being wholly unoriginal and ripping off bigger name movies like star trek and star wars even though this movie it's lore and it's book that it's based off of inspired all of those and took all those movies took all their inspiration from its original source material the princess of mars also known as john carter oh my yes what a great pick y'all critics you're stupid john carter was great and we need to give taylor kitsch a second chance because that man had a really really rough 2012 he had john carter and then battleship and then the year before that he had x-men origins wolverine get this man an ice pop and a, a nice get back on track please John Carter is great. It's wholly unique visually and storytelling wise. It was so much fun. The action was different of they have fun with the zero gravity aspect. So John Carter is a superhero, but not a superhero. And I know Michael's going to be partial to it because it's a sci-fi movie. And I have quite a few sci-fi movies on this list. Uh, Yeah, I don't get why no one went out to see this movie granted the marketing really screwed this john carter is not the best name for an action movie it really isn't but then again it worked for john wick which doesn't sound a lot better uh, but john carter was so unique and original and just so much fun and everyone's just like you stole from star wars well they star wars stole from edgar rice burroughs which came first mm-hmm. also i'm still kind of salty that the princess in oh. uh john carter lynn collins she was my first pick to be Wonder Woman. I think she would have been fantastic as Wonder Woman. Could not agree more. We talked about this uh, at school, and you know, I'm I actually thought about this very thing, and I actually thought I bet Nathan is going to want to talk about this because you were so adamant back in college. I, I I deliberately said not to. I, I deliberately said to myself, "Don't cover that." Nate will do that probably. So I, I, that's awesome. Yeah, th- this movie's great. And it was botched by one of the biggest marketing disasters of all time. I mean, people in in film school, I believe, are going to study how to not market a film based on this particular like uh, movie franchise. So, yeah, it, it's a shame. It's one of those things of like, man, I'd love to see a sequel to that because there really is material there, and it's we just know it's never gonna happen, at least right now or in the next coming years i mean if we can't get a tron sequel to go going they're not going to get a john carter one going. We, we are getting a tron sequel though yeah uh, well yeah uh well yeah, i'm going to believe that honestly when i see the first trailer well honest. also and here's what i'm not going to make michael happy i agree with the critics on tron it is the oh, most I, okay movie ever made it looks I, it's a Zack snyder movie it looks good but there's no substance um yeah, it I, looks yeah. gorgeous but there's not a lot to tron legacy i i want to love it but then every time i get past like the first 40 minutes i'm like can i just end now please yep. <laughs> once they leave the arena i think the movie takes a nosedive sure um yeah. so i have one other disney movie let me check my list so do yep. i only one other disney movie which admittedly I kind of see the complaints, but also I don't because at the same time, this movie is so much fun. And what did you expect? It feels very similar to The Mummy, kind of, which also is barely fresh. It's like 61%. Um, I think critics went into the bias that all video game movies suck. So this movie must suck too. And of course, I'm talking about Jake Gyllenhaal's Prince of Persia. 
I genuinely really enjoy Prince of Persia, except for one scene when at the end Ben Kingsley is killed and he's blatantly holding the spear into his chest. Like, <laughs> like they didn't have the prop or something to just make it look like it's sticking out, so he's like actually holding the prop into him. It, it looks really wonky, but I love Prince of Persia, and not just because I have a love affair with Jake Gyllenhaal. He is a wonderful actor. Um, Duke got shredded for Prince of Persia. It's just so fun and what's wrong with just a fun swashbuckling adventure i i don't get what the critics were expecting from this it's not groundbreaking but it's a lot better than people make it out to be yeah yeah i love this film absolutely love it it's got it's got great humor it's entertaining from start to finish and i, I honestly don't understand what the, the issue was fantastic pick the critics were way off on this it's a fun it, it's a fun ride anyone can watch this uh, it's completely rewatchable, and like, what are you, what are you wanting of films? Like, I, I don't. I think the critics can be dynamic in how they approach a film. Not ev- not every film is equal in what it's trying to do. I mean, how do you rate a film on its uh, like on its success? Uh, like, I, I want to rate it in the fact that it's a family family friendly movie for the most part, and it's going to be entertaining from start to finish. It makes you laugh. It's got a good plot. You root for the characters in the end. There you go. And like, awesome. It's fr- certified fresh, and it should be fresh. Should be in the eighty percent my range. No argument. I couldn't uh, agree more, Nate. I'd probably put it in the, like the seventies. It's not perfect, but it's still a lot of fun. And I still get mad when people are like, "There's no good video game movies." I'm just like, "Prince of Persia, people. It really, really wasn't that bad." Yep. In contrast to other video game movies out there, like Doom, Prince of Persia looks like Citizen Kane, guys. Uh, oh, that's hilarious. Like, Video game movies are not going to be great until the Uncharted movie comes out. Mark my words, it'll break the curse, dang it. Um, but what's what's next on your list, Michael? Well, we're, we're sticking with the same studio. And the same studio, same release year. Um, mildly sharing the same title. Um, this time, this one carries a rating of 19% oh. in the tomometer and 33% audience score. So the audience is completely high and out of their minds as well. Uh, but this one stars uh, Tim Allen in a quest to uh, have his, uh, you know, I guess, unbegotten son uh, and introduce him to this new world. And that is Jungle to Jungle. It was a direct-to-video release. Uh, part of my childhood right there is three, four years old. Uh, then watched it, you know, watched it at that at that time. It kept me entertained. And the reason why I like this is because as an only child like yourself, uh, when you watch a film that has a little bit of uh, humor in it that, you know, you know, children won't get. I mean, Disney was really good at this growing up like they they knew enough. and They're still good with Pixar films to this day that they throw jokes in there that, you know, the parents will like that. The kids it'll just go right over the kid's head. Right. Um, well, my parents laughed. And as a kid. You're like, I like seeing my parents laugh because it makes everything more fun. And this one really made my parents laugh from start to finish. So I was, I, I'm biased. I get it. I know. But I, having rewatched this recently again, I think it's great. I, and I just, I mean, I mean, Martin Short, Tim Allen, I think they make a great duo in this movie. I don't understand why it has a 19%. It, yeah, it's criminally underrated. I don't know if you've ever seen it, Nathan, but I think it's worth a watch. Jungle to Jungle is a movie that happened. Okay. Well, all right. Well, just my, Hey, listen, I, you said you'd have one for me that I disagree with you, but I okay, don't think you it's 19 You want to get into that one? Just cause. Yes, I do. Okay. So Michael really, really likes sci-fi and 
I do too to a certain extent. I I don't know. It's not like my go-to. I a, to me a good movie is a good movie. But I know Michael, you lean more towards sci-fi. There's yeah. one movie that I remember in college that I told you I was like I like it. I don't know why. Maybe it's because I'm not emotionally attached to the franchise. I mean franchises because this is a crossover movie i love alien versus predator it is so dumb but i have so much fun and michael's just going you've broken me you have broken me i think i don't care that it breaks continuity i look at this as its own pocket universe from both alien and predator the prop the thing is for me i don't consider either alien or predator a horror franchise they are an action franchise so the fact that this skews more action than horror doesn't really bother me um and people are like the characters are shallow alien well alien does have good characters but then again they only have good characters for two of the movies uh two out of the seven yeah (laughs) alien to me is like terminator they keep insisting this one's the one we're gonna get things back on track and they just make things worse every time like yeah i would agree it is exactly like terminator you had two good movies and everything else forget about (laughs) like um so alien versus predator i know people like it should have been r for the action they still get away with quite a bit in alien versus predator they do if you change the green to red it's a very R-rated movie. But also, I still think they do a lot of things right in Alien vs. Predator. Like, to me, the best scene is when the Predator and the girl team up for the first time. And they actually have this whole great scene where not a single line of dialogue is spoken. But you understand exactly what's happening by um, nonverbal communication. Which, I think that's really, really cool. But just like, oh... I track what's going on here of like, okay, I respect you as a combatant. We're going to work together in this situation. Here's a shield with the head of your enemy. So you're not completely going out there on your own. It's not a great movie, but I really don't think it's that bad. Then again, I'm not a diehard alien or predator fan. I've seen all the movies in the franchise for both of them, but to me, they're nothing but schlocky fun. And that's exactly what Alien vs. Predator is. Now, if we talk about Alien vs. Predator Requiem, we could dump on that movie together all day long. I hate Requiem so much. Well, I I don't know what to think about AVP Requiem because I can't literally see anything that's going on (laughs) in the movie to judge it accurately. It's the darkest movie ever. Yeah, it's it's awful. It puts like... Uh, that that i never seen it but I, I heard like one of the game of thrones uh episodes is really bad i'm like well i mm-hmm. bet that would be put to shame by this whole film um yeah listen like alien aliens and predator are iconic films all the rest of them are garbage uh they, they truly mm-hmm. are like garbage predator 2 has some redeeming nope. credit I mean, i'll defend but. i'll defend the adrian brody predator movie what was it uh predators uh, with danny trejo and everything else i like that right. movie and i sat did, did, through the the most recent predator movie um it is oh kind of uncomfortable at times with the allegations <laughs> oh, no. that went on behind the scenes um yeah. uh d- d- yeah um no i i defend the adrian brody one that one's really not that bad uh well i i've seen that i thought it was entertaining I, listen avp i remember people were like are you gonna go see this like i remember elementary age kids because i remember some of my my classmates their parents let them see PG-13 films, and we were all talking about how it didn't get a rated R 
you know, R rating because we're like, wow, that means we might go get to see that. Because everyone at that point, we knew about Alien. We've seen the Xenomorph. We've seen the Predator. It was part of pop culture. We all kind of like knew what it was. Yeah. But I, I kind of had the same experience with um, Revenge of the Sith going, oh, it's PG-13. Am I going to be able to see this now? Exactly. <laughs> Yes, exactly. Uh, so uh, that, that was uh, – it's not bad. Like, you know what? Objectively, I agree. It's got a 21% on Rotten Tomatoes. It doesn't – I don't think it's – I mean, Bump I, I mean I've seen – Bump it up to 50. Bump it up to 50. It's not the worst I, in the franchise. I can do that. I'd be I'd be willing to go there. Like, um, if you rank it in the Alien franchise, I would – unfortunately, it deserves to be in the upper half of the Alien franchise, not the lower half, just because Alien has so much garbage in it now. Are you no, telling me it, Alien vs. Predator is worse than Aliens 3 or 4 or Prometheus or what was the other one? Uh, Alien Covenant. Alien uh, Covenant is one of the one of the most disappointing movie experiences. Did not I'm saying not saying worst, but disappointing. Um, yes, uh, Alien 3 is Alien. Listen, Alien Resurrection is a comedy. It's that bad. Like it is a comedy because it's like so grotesque and utterly ridiculous like it, it it's like two films they're like we want to be we want to show as most gross gore as possible and we also want our characters coming like from the circus and it's 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 bewildering but yeah nothing gets worse than that actually i'm curious how what do you think i think we'd agree alien resurrection is the worst of those what do you think oh, yeah. that has on rotten tomatoes 16 percent is it is that that's very precise for you to think is that a, do you know that or you just no, that's guessing? just a guess so alien resurrection from 1997 has a 54 percent what on rotten tomato what that is that is staggering like, are you kidding I am insulted me so, I mean, and offended <laughs> that's right there we go in reverse like it's not low enough. Um, my my final film, my final film tonight is something that I have we have talked about. I've talked about forever. Um, this will be very very quick because I I can't I cannot wait for for your your other film here. Uh, it's oh, actually I got a, a lot, from man. A film I've got 19- a lot more. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I can I can only really come up with three that I could I just like I know in my heart like oh, they I think, absolutely did did better. I think um, you and I will have very similar movies on my list that we could talk about. Oh sure, I I because I I think I, there's there's a couple and there was one that based on the graphic there I absolutely agree with, um, but uh, it's a remake from a 1947 film came out uh, in 2013 uh, remake with Ben Stiller uh, and it's the Secret Life of Walter Mitty. I adore this film. Uh, it has a 51 percent on Rotten Tomatoes. Um, anyone of all ages can watch this movie. Um, there, I mean, I'm talking even with you really young kids. Um, there's only a couple words that you probably wouldn't want young kids repeating. Uh, but that's, you know, I mean, for that, I mean, you can't watch the Sandlot based on that. Uh, no, based Sandlot on, on that. should not be PG. Sandlot should not no, be PG. No, no, it, no, it should not. <laughs> um, but, uh, th- this film, I love, it's so simple and has a lot of heart and it's so subtle. And I think a lot of the critics, maybe overanalyzed it too much like they wanted it to be more. And I think it actually is more because it is, it is so subtle in what its delivery is and you have to pay attention. And I, I, 
I can watch this movie every day of the week. It's the first film I show people of like, hey, have you ever, hey, you want to watch a movie like with somebody? I'm like, hey, let's watch this because it, it just has such a good message to it. Uh, it has a heart behind it. And I don't, I haven't seen a whole lot of films like it because there's not a lot of pomp and circumstance in it. There's a little bit of like kind of ludicrous notions, but it, it's just one of those films that just tugs at my heartstrings and I, it deserves more attention than what it got. So, I got two main horror. I got one that more or less kind of like multiple horror entries, but it's in the same franchise. Uh, I'll go with one that's even more hated. Like even people within the horror community hate this. And maybe I came in with it with too low of expectations. Uh, And it is a remake. Benicio Del Toro's The Wolfman. Um, I will admit this movie is not great. But maybe I went in with such low expectations. And maybe the fact that I saw the unrated version helps a little bit. But... To me, the good far outweighs the bad for this because I like my classic Universal monster movies. And this feels like that because the look and aesthetic feels like a combination of the Guy Ritchie Sherlock Holmes with a Tim Burton Sleepy Hollow type. It feels so old school, traditional monster movie. Like the set design in this is outstanding. That, I think, alone makes it awesome. A lot of people were complaining about the CGI transformations as opposed to, like, American Werewolf from London or the original um, with practical transformations. And I get it. The transformations in this do look pretty bad. Um, but when he becomes the Wolfman, he's actually terrifying. And there's some very brutal violence in it. It's like, okay, that's that's why you should be afraid of a Wolfman as opposed to gently being choked out in the original movie and then being beaten to death off screen by Claude Rains. Um, it's a lot better than I was expecting it to be. It's still not the best, but the gorgeous music, the fantastic set design, and there are some good performances. Hugo Weaving doesn't know how to put half effort in. He's always wonderful. Um, is it perfect? No, but it feels so much like those traditional Universal Monster movies that I still get a lot of enjoyment out of it. But I'm not as emotionally attached to the Wolfman as I am about Halloween. I needed like a Halloween jar. Um, the original Halloween from 1978, critics love it. And rightly so. It's one of the best horror movies ever made. They jumped on the sequels so much. And admittedly, there's some sequels that are bad. Halloween 5, Halloween 6, uh, Resurrection. Either of the Rob Zombie ones are terrible. But... As far as horror sequels go, Halloween has some of the best horror sequels out there. Halloween 2 continued the story of the original Halloween perfectly. And that's like sitting in the 20s on Rotten Tomatoes, which I do not get at all. Mm. I know horror movies typically rate lower because not all critics like horror movies. But they're really not that bad. Like 2 and especially 4. 4 is basically The Force Awakens of... Um, Halloween before 2018 would become The Force Awakens of Halloween. And that one's excellent. H2O, excellent. That's the highest rate of the sequels, not 2018. And that's like at 56% or something like that. I think people just discount it because it's horror. But they have some of the best protagonists in horror movies, which often they're nothing but blonde bimbos. In almost all the good Halloween movies, they have protagonists that feel like genuine people that you want to be genuinely safe and they're so well done. Great music. For the most part, some pretty decent acting. And I don't think they're nearly as bad as they make them out to be. And I'm sure that's my Halloween bias coming through. But 
whatever. Um, I've got one that I know for a fact, Michael and I both have seen, that I'm still mad. Because there's talk about another one, but it'll be yet another reboot, not a sequel, which is unfortunate. Because 2017's Power Rangers was freaking awesome. It was. I absolutely. I sat in the theater. We, we both talked about that the campfire scene and everything. Like that showed this movie had heart. Had a, had, I think it had a good good villain. Executed well. well Shame on everyone. I won't say it had a I good I won't say it had a good villain. Listen, better than what I was expecting. Okay. It's a Power Rangers movie for crying out loud. And I think that's why so many people discounted it so quickly. They're just like the 90s one was terrible. It's like, this isn't the 90s one. This it, is... The 90s one is terrible. It's... <laughs> it's actual people. It's characters. You care about these people before you get to the admittedly kind of lackluster fight scenes. Uh, but that's that's the nature of Power Rangers. It was a lot better than critics made it out to be. And I'm genuinely sad that we're not getting another one. They just go, oh, well, we'll just reboot it again. Because um, whether people want to admit it or not, the biggest MVP for that 2017 Power Rangers movie is whoever the casting agent was. Because, like, everyone involved in that movie has gone on to bigger and better things. Uh, mm-hmm. Dacre Montgomery, the Red Ranger, went on to Stranger Things. Now he's moved on to other stuff. Obviously, the big find was the Pink Ranger, Naomi Scott. Yeah, yeah. Who, um, Aladdin, and then immediately did Charlie's Angels after that. So, good for you, Naomi Scott. Uh, Ludi Lin was in Aquaman. Um, still would have liked for him to be Nightwing, but whatever. The movie is so good, even if it has arguably the worst product placement of all time with Krispy Kreme. You know, here's the thing: is I've only seen the movie. Well, you know, I almost want to fight you on that with every Michael Bay film, but you know, I. You know, it's the plot doesn't revolve around them going to Krispy Kreme just so they can say it every twenty seconds. Okay, fair. Well, hey, you know what? You got to get your movie paid for somehow. Okay, very, very true. Uh, but no, that that that's a very, very good take. Now, question though: Is your other movie in the the banner here? Oh, that's one of them. I've got that one, and I got three others. So I got oh, okay. four left total. I got that one that's in the banner, which we'll talk about right now. Two superhero ones and one that I genuinely cannot justify why I like it, but I do. Okay. <laughs> so we'll talk about the one in the banner, which actually is the inspiration for why we're having this discussion today. So I was uh, over at my parents' house um, checking in on my mom because we normally get lunch on Fridays. Hi, mom. I know she watches these. Um, and she wasn't feeling well, so we watched a movie. I was like, we haven't watched A-Team in a while because A-Team is freaking awesome. So I saw yes. A-Team in theaters with my mom. It was just her and I because she watched the show and I was like, it looks pretty good. I love me some Liam Neeson. Come out of it like, that was so much fun. And also introduced me to one of my new favorite actors, Patrick Wilson as Lynch. Um, Orm in Aquaman now, Insidious, The Conjuring. This movie is so much better than the critics make it out to be. Um, so great of action. But also, you could tell the cast is genuinely having fun. Like, I maybe I'm like biased with this, but it has such a good combination of action and humor, perfectly balanced. And the humor doesn't just dip off. Uh, like some movies, the first half is funny, and then the second half, the humor kind of dips away. This is pretty funny throughout. But when it has action, they got some great action. And I know some critics were like, "That makes no sense. They're shooting." 
they're trying to pilot a helicopter while it's in free they're trying to pilot a tank while it's in free fall i'm like i don't care about logic in an a-team movie it looks awesome um and I'm, i'm sure i was blinded with how awesome it was just from the right get go of uh I'll give you one last warning. You're now attacking a U.S. Um, military vehicle over United States airspace. Alpha, mm. Mike, Foxtrot. And you're like, oh, I'm in for whatever the rest of this movie is. And I think the big thing for me of why I love this movie so much is the cast is great and so perfectly cast. I buy Liam Neeson as the leader. I buy Bradley Cooper as the ladies' man. Shocker. Um Rampage right. Jackson was actually great as B.A., but to me, of course, the MVP is Charlotte Copley as Murdoch. Yes. Oh, my yes. gosh. Perfect. hundred percent. This is one of the few films I own on iTunes. I don't – I mean, that was back when I had an iPod <laughs> Touch and was was watching the films, you know, after I went to bed under my covers, and I would just keep re-watching this film. Uh, it's it's so good. I remember I watched I – went, I went to the theater with my dad and, the, and very much in the same – same guys of the fact that he liked the original show and we, we and him had a blast. It was great. And I don't understand why, why this, why this film didn't get that type of love. And I, I will raise you by the way, this now, because now I will say though, um, th- this, as I'm sitting here and I was running out of movies, but I, I know that they're going to try, um, uh, to get this off the ground. Uh, but, uh, 2015 guy, Ritchie film, um, the fact that it, it doesn't, it doesn't have a high, uh, tomometer rating. I mean, it's at 67%, but the fact that it didn't do well at the box office with Henry, Henry Cavill, army hammer, man from uncle should really should get a sequel. Like I just, I'll throw that out there. Give I love Henry that. Cavill all the sequels. Yes. Uh, oh, that's funny. That's really funny. I love that film. My dad and I laughed from beginning to end. We, we, we so much enjoyed it. Uh, so, but closing maybe. out with 18 before I move on to another one sorry um i will never not laugh at one of the best lines i don't you can tell me otherwise but i won't believe you one of my favorite lines in any movie is i'm gonna kill you fool you crushed my van you can't park there that's a handicap zone (laughs) as he drops the radiator on ba's van oh it's just wonderful oh Um, yeah that was that was great. I, I, my favorite line in the film is uh, when uh, B.A.'s freaking out about flying again. He goes, hey, don't worry, boys. Turbulence has never brought down a plane before. And he goes, wait, what's that? He goes, that's UAV with missile lock. And they bring down planes all the time. <laughs> Murdoch is just the best. Murdoch, what do I feel like if it dropped on my face? Mm, no idea. That was Hannibal in face. It's just so... <laughs> wow, these bullets are like the 3Ds. feels like they're shooting at us. They are shooting at us. <laughs> like come on it's just a dumb fun action movie with great humor what what's not to love now I, right I do have one movie me. on this list I'll be honest I don't know why I love this movie but I do and that is starring an actor that I don't typically like it's just about anything I think he's the most bland boring main protagonist in anything he's ever in and by that I mean Sam Worthington and I don't know why no. I love me some Clash of the Titans. No, I knew you were gonna go there. No, no, no. I just watched this on on TNT. It was uh, oh my gosh, it's so horrible. But at <laughs> least it's not Wrath so of the Titans. Bad. Oh, it's Wrath of oh, the Titans my... is so much worse. 
Oh, they were both really bad. What's the what's the tomato rating on this? Um, a hundred percent. That's Clash of the Titans has twenty seven percent, and in my opinion, deserves every moment of that. The only redeeming I'm quality is the I'm not saying you're meme. wrong. I'm not saying you're wrong. I genuinely don't know why I love it so much, but I do. Oh and no! Maybe because it's the second movie with Gemma Arterton. Who, where the heck has she been? Like, that's, that's a fantastic point. Really. Um, cause yeah, she, was, she had like, she was great in Prince of Persia and she was yeah. one of the few good things about Clash of the Titans, which everything's great about Clash of the Titans. What am I saying? I mean, it has a stacked cast. If you go through, I mean, yeah. look, let me read this off. Sam Worthington, Gemma Arterton, uh, Liam Neeson, Ralph Fiennes, uh, Alex Davalos, uh, Mads Mikkelsen. Like, what? Like, are you kidding me? Yeah, it's a so. stacked cast. It's so dumb fun. Like, I I don't know. I like a good old-fashioned sword and sandal movie. Uh, and I like mythology. Maybe that's it. Maybe it just caught me at the right time because it came out, I think, in 2011 while I was still in high school. Um, The creature designs are pretty good. Like, the special effects for the creatures, they still hold up very, very well. Um, maybe I'm blinded by the release, the Kraken memes that were everywhere for a while. Oh my gosh. Yes. I uh, just, what, what, what was, what was the, the, the swords and sandals, uh, movie with Gerard Butler, that same type of, um, 300? No, no, not 300. Oh, it came out a few years ago. Um, oh, this is really embarrassing how I can't remember it. I thought, I thought, I thought he was in the, in the film. Uh, let me see if I can't find it. Gods of Egypt. You didn't like Gods of Egypt? The most racist movie ever made. <laughs> I get that some people don't know the skin color of Egyptians, but I can guarantee you they don't look like Aaron Eckhart. Not Aaron Eckhart. What's his name? Jamie Lannister from Game of Thrones. Also, y'all thought the CGI in Gods of Egypt was presentable to be in a movie? Good God, what did you do to it? If nothing else, thank you, Gods of Egypt, for introducing us to Chadwick Boseman. May he rest in peace. And thank goodness he was able to do some other movies in his career. Also, Gods of Egypt, you tried to ruin... Uh, my future Nightwing with Brenton Thwaites, who was in that movie as well. Oh my! I didn't. I didn't realize this had a had a visceral reaction for you. I was just saying it that. Like doesn't. that's how it's I react so to Clash of the Titans. I don't know uh, what I like about Clash of the Titans, but I do. Which is weird because I hate and despise Wrath of the Titans with everything in my being. I just do. Um, yeah. So, I've got two superhero movies as my closing out one. One that I think. Um, Michael would agree with and one I don't know if he would because I don't know if he's seen this one because I don't know if you and I have talked about this one um, maybe because I didn't see this one in theaters because I thought it looked so bad and the 29% on Rotten Tomatoes definitely scared me away for a while but when I finally saw it I was like this is really isn't that bad it's actually a lot of fun more fun than it should have any right to be and that's because Tom Hardy can make anything work I'm of course talking about Venom I had so much fun with Venom oh. Oh, I haven't seen it yet. I've I've been told I should. Yeah, that's what I thought. I didn't know if you had seen it or not. Mm-mm. Yeah, it's, it's got twenty nine percent on Rotten Tomato. Yeah, it it ain't pretty. Um, and it's it's really not that bad. Um, I maybe people were expecting more, and the symbiote at times could definitely look better. And I have some issues with the final fight when the scary black goo thing fights the scary gray 
gooey thing. Like, at least with the next one with Carnage, it's black versus red, so it's colors that you can kind of see. Admittedly, Black Panther kind of had the same issue with Killmonger and Black Panther both having the exact same outfits, but at least those made them purple and gold, so you can see which one's which. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, Venom is just dumb, but fun. And you can't tell me Tom Hardy isn't giving 110%. I saw a grown man sitting in a lobster tank, eating a raw lobster, but fully committed to that scene. And he's having so much fun. It's not high art, but spoiler alert, Venom as a character is not high art. He's a 13-year-old boy's wish fulfillment to be edgelord, basically. Uh, like, I like Venom, but he, he really doesn't resonate with me as a character. I'm always going to be more of a Spider-Man person. But I saw so many people bash Venom that I was just like, this, wow, how good can it be? And I saw it, I was like, it's definitely not going to be one of my favorite superhero movies of all time, but I definitely enjoyed it a whole heck of a lot more than I thought I should. Well, who did the voice for Venom? Was it, was it synthesized or was it an actual um, uh, actor? I don't know. I know it's not Tom Hardy. Yeah. They got some that, outside voice. Because uh, wouldn't it be interesting to have that guy? in your family at night when the lights go off. <laughs> he just slips a baby monitor underneath your bed and talks into oh. it while you're sleeping. Wow. Oh, um, goodness. Okay. Well, I'll have to get back with you on that. Jury's out on the... We'll have to see if, if I like that one or not. Uh, you, you might. It's it's not awful. There's not, not any content that you would be opposed to. It's, it's just dumb fun. Think, like, mm. the first Transformers kind of dumb fun. Not the sequels, but the first Transformers dumb fun. Okay. Now, this last one, I feel like I'm going to need to put my shields up for this. Not Mm. from the general population, because the general population, by and large, doesn't mind this movie. It's just critics and a certain, I'm not afraid to anger them, cult-like fan base that so loyally defends the works of one Zachary Snyder who insist that this is the biggest abomination to filmmaking ever made, and I genuinely don't think it's anywhere near that. That's 2017's Justice League. I know that this movie is not what it was supposed to be. And thank God for that. I know we're getting Zack Snyder's Justice League, and I'm happy for him that he gets to finish out what he wants to do. But given the track that we were set on, and what he's talked about, his future vision for the movies were going to be. I'm glad we're not getting that, at least in canon. I would accept the Snyder movies a lot more if they just outright said, this is an Elseworld story. Okay, fine, I'm on board for that. Then we can have none of the characters we know and love be the characters we know and love. <laughs> like, right. Yes, my end goal was to have Superman be the Superman you know and love at the end of his journey. And at the end of his journey, Batman's going to be dead after being a murderer for most of these. And also, if you like Robin, sucks for you. He's dead. Potentially had all of his limbs chopped off. Um, Yeah, t- I just... No. And I know a lot of people are just like, it doesn't fit within Man of Steel or Batman vs. Superman. Maybe it's just me, but when I watch Justice League... I just watch it as its standalone movie and don't connect it with Batman vs. Superman and Man of Steel because it's so distant. And yes, the movie is very much a Frankenstein. You could tell what is shot by Snyder and what was shot by Whedon. But some people are like, Whedon ruined this movie. Does it feel like Whedon? Really? It feels like a stitch job, but it doesn't 100% feel like Whedon. It doesn't 100% feel like Snyder. But 
I enjoy Justice League a lot more than other people, and I'm sure a big part of that is I'm blinded by the ending. And some people are just like, the Superman mustache? The mustache is bad, but look at how Superman is portrayed in the movie. That's the Superman we've been asking for forever now. Like, I will still go back and watch that scene, and I'll put up with the PlayStation 3 graphics for Steppenwolf, um... When he still goes, you're all too weak to see the truth. Truth? I'm a big fan of truth, but I'm also a big fan of justice. And the classic Superman music comes in. I don't care what y'all say. That's the best part of that whole movie. And I would agree. this is the hill that I die on. It's the best moment in the DCEU so far. Because that is Superman. You're like, Couldn't it's so more. cheesy. Superman is cheesy. And cheesy... <gasps> is okay from time to time. And it the rest is. of the movie really isn't that bad. The only real issues that I have is Batman is not great in Justice League. Of, oh, yep, something's definitely broken. I'm like, uh, that's pretty cringe. But I would take that over, you know, machine gunning fools in the face and running them over with your souped up car. Uh, Justice League is not perfect. I will still watch it every once in a while because I, I genuinely do enjoy it because it's a schlocky, fun comic book movie. It doesn't make me overly sad and depressed. And I get there is a place for dark and more serious storytelling. But when all you have is dark and serious storytelling, you really do miss the optimism. And I want the characters... Forgive me for wanting the characters that I have read for a lot of years in comics to act like the characters of how I read them on the page. Like, I like Zack Snyder's Watchmen. He was accurate in that portrayal because those characters live in a dark and bleak world. The characters in Justice League are not supposed to be dark and bleak. They are supposed to have some levity and some hope to them. And I enjoyed the crap out of that for Justice League. I acknowledge that it's not a perfect movie. I will still much rather watch that than a lot of other more depressing things in the DCE universe that we've gotten so far. And my jury is still out on whether I will like the Snyder cut. Judging by the future directions that he teased multiple times, I think I'm still going to end up liking the theatrical version more than his, but jury's still out on that. Yeah. I saw justice league in theaters and I haven't gone back to watch it since, uh, because I, I just didn't enjoy the entire movie. Um, but what I did enjoy is exactly what you brought up, and it, it just it tugs at the heartstrings of, of what I want and I long for Superman to be portrayed as, um, and what I wanted him to be for me personally, what I wanted to see in Man of Steel, um, which I understand that's not what the point of that movie was. I, I understand that. It's a zero Still year. Change. I like yeah. Man of Steel for the most part, but the problem it, it, is that became very apparent. Man of Steel was clearly intended to be a one-off story and not meant to yeah. catapult into a larger universe. It feels very right. self-contained. Think, and then Batman yeah. versus Superman comes along. Oh, crap, we need a whole universe to go with this. Um, uh, I always intended for these things to be played off. I always intended for General Swanwick to be Martian Manhunter. I always intended for Robin right. to be dead. Sure. It, it's disjointed, and I'll just say though know, that the best part of Justice League, in my opinion, is right is is uh, Superman's you know entrance and in, into Steppenwolf. So I, I think uh, that's my favorite part. Uh, it's the most Superman esque that we get, and uh, I long for more. So I, I agree with you. And maybe someday we will maybe get someday. that. <laughs> 
Maybe. Fingers crossed. Well, what are some movies that you guys love that may or may not have had the best reactions when they came out? Let us know in the comments below. We always like hearing from you guys. And as always, if you like what you hear and you want to hear more, subscribe to us on whatever audio platform you're listening to us on, whether that's iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or YouTube. And if you haven't already, subscribe to us on YouTube at Uncharted Media. And as always, stay sharp, movie guys and gals.